Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. Today we have the privilege of listening in on a recorded session of Brian live at our Mastermind Summit. This once a year event in sunny San Diego is designed to help you become your best self with strategies for reaching your full potential. Let's listen in to Master Motivator Brian Buffini. I feel it, I feel it. Good morning, good morning. All right, well, the top of the morning to you. Take a seat. You paid money for it. Or someone in your family did. Okie doke. So we got the ball rolling a little bit last night. We get down to business today. The next 20 years starts this morning. Ours and yours together, okay? And we're going to talk about rising up, right? We're going to talk about rising up above the circumstances, above the challenge, above the society and the culture. They say you lay down with dogs, you wake up with what? There's a lot of howling dogs in the culture today. Would you guys agree? And we complain about it, but here's the thing. We have a choice, right? We have the news feeds on our phone. We have a choice. We have the television program. No negative news program ever turned itself on in your house. I cannot believe this guy I watch every night. Now, I am a guy that has to see the market, adjust to research, in many ways influence an entire industry, predict recessions, predict housing shortages. I'm looking at where the market is right now and where it's going, where the industry is. So I have to stay current on a lot of things. But I, I will also tell you, I have disconnected from a lot of things. Because it's hard to rise up when you're being pulled down. Does that make sense? I've learned to disconnect from thoughts in my own head. I've learned to disconnect from bad habits so that I can rise up. So that I can rise up. We need to disconnect from some things to connect to other things. Is this making sense to you? Right? The number one way that people struggle to like quit something like smoking is they focus all their energies on trying to quit smoking. You've got to quit smoking. It's bad for you. You're going to die. You're going to get lung disease. You're going to get this. You're going to do that. That's proven that that does not work. Is you got to say, I'm going to quit smoking and start this. I'm going to quit smoking and start drinking more water. Does that make sense? Okay? I've got to stop eating bad food. And here's what I can't eat. As opposed to, no, I'm going to start eating this really good stuff that I like. So you have to disconnect to connect. You want to rise up from stuff to rise up to something. Does that make sense? And we all need to rise up from something. We all have things in every area of our life. We've had wins and we've had losses. We have doubt. We have self-doubt. Sometimes we look in the mirror and we don't like what we see internally, externally. So we all need to rise up above something. So we're going to rise up today and we're going to go, all right, where can we go? Let's take a look at the very best of where we can be. That's what an event like this is for, okay? Like here's where I'm at or here's where I've been. I say, okay, this is it. What is optimal? What's all that about? And so I'm going to talk about today to rise up to your purpose. Now purpose is a big word. It's used all the time. It's misused all the time. It's a veritable hotbed for self-help gurus. And it all gets down to the one thing, right? So one thing. You might just remember city slickers. Right? The meaning of life is one thing, one thing, right? And the guy with the book or the seminar has the one thing for you. And that's just not what I've seen. And so I want to make sure that we understand there's dynamics of the meaning of life. There's the dynamics of what we're designed and created to be. And then the purpose, well, we're going to get into what that actually can mean for you. And that many of you are much closer to being on purpose than you ever imagined. Many of you are actually living out your purpose. It's just not stated. It's not clarified. And because of that, you feel like you're more aimless than you actually are. Many of you are actually in the game of life. You're winning at the game of life. But the thing is, when you're winning at the game of life, rarely are there actually trophies and celebrations of such things. That's what I deal with every day. I deal with people who are actually doing great, who are actually on the path, and most of them have no idea that they are. So we're going to get down that today because one of the things we've got to do is clarify. One of the things we've got to do is, is make it specific. You remember when they all went to see the Wizard of Oz? Oz didn't give nothing to the tin man he didn't already have. Is that true? They already had. The lion was already courageous when he needed to be. But by clarifying it and gave him a medal, all of a sudden, hey, I am courageous. Now the chest goes out. Now he's ready to go. 
The scarecrow was the smart one in the whole movie of The Wizard of Oz. But when he got the diploma and it was clarified, it was declared, now all of a sudden, all right. And many of you are walking around like the characters in The Wizard of Oz without yet that validation. And that's what we're going to do this morning. So let's get in to what Mr. Webster says about the definition of what purpose is. Not Brian Buffini's definition, Noah Webster. And it's the reason for which someone exists or something is done. The French call it a raison d'etre, a reason to be. The reason for which someone exists or something is done. John Gordon, who's coming this afternoon, ripe and ready, fired up, says, I believe I'm here for a reason. And my purpose is greater than my challenges. My purpose is greater than my challenges. And that's the thing. When we keep our eyes on our challenges, life is hard, life is tough, life can be depressing. But when we keep our eyes on our purpose and that which we know, and you get it revealed over time, and it gets, it's not like one thing you're born with. It changes over time, and it gets refined over time as you live your life. What happens when you don't have this, when you have what I call a hidden purpose instead of a stated purpose, a declared purpose? There are symptoms that show up, symptoms in our life. And people are dealing with these issues, and you know the story with medical treatment. If you chase the symptoms, you'll never get somebody healthy. Is that a true statement? Because then you treat the symptoms, and then that medication has side effects, and then there's more symptoms and more symptoms and more symptoms. What we want to do is get after the cause. There are symptoms when we don't have a stated, declared purpose for our lives. Here's the first one in our world today. We become self-consumed. Self-consumed. And I believe... There are many great things in our world today, by the way. I believe our future is very bright. I'm very encouraged by a lot of the young people I get to meet and talk to. And human beings by nature, for thousands and thousands of years, the natural bent is to default to self. But in our world today, we're self-consumed. The great Zig Ziglar said this, you will never find a truly happy, self-centered person. They simply don't exist. Wouldn't you guys agree with that? Like, oh yeah, it's someone who's totally self-consumed and just beaming. The next thing, depressed. That's a symptom of having a hidden purpose. And so we do all kinds of things to treat that depression. Now, I'm not talking about clinical and all the other major psychosis that exist out there. I'm going to talk to you about a dynamic. And here's the first piece. There's a big difference between humility and depression. I actually did a podcast recently that will be released on August 14th. And I'm pushing the podcast as it's part of your support system throughout the year. Okay? That's what it's for. And it's how to be resilient. And what I walk that audience through is the progression. You start out with disappointment. Have you guys ever experienced disappointments? And disappointment goes along the road and it gets to a fork in the road and there's a choice. And disappointment can lead to discouragement, and that discouragement can then lead to being depressed. By the way, big difference between being depressed and depression. Is everybody with me on this? Everybody gets depressed. Just because you are depressed doesn't mean you have depression. If that makes sense to you, say I. And I know I'm stepping into the deep waters here, but no one wants to talk about this anymore. We want to medicate it. So we start with disappointment. Everybody has disappointment. Then it gets to discouragement. And discouragement is the, this is the crossroads. Because discouragement is disappointment relived over and over and over and over again. As opposed to disappointment can turn into fuel to keep you going. To get you where you want to go. Okay? I'll speak autobiographically with this. I have a condition. Very serious medical condition. My body retains ice cream. I've tried everything. I've tried all the flavors. I've tried them in all kinds of different quantities. Nothing's worked. So this year, my brother Dermot was getting in great shape. A couple of guys came and challenged me at one of the events. John Gordon came and said, all right, I'm going to go for it. I'm not going to lose weight. I'm going to get in great shape. And I sign up for coaching with a Viking. He's actually here. We have a restraining order. He's actually here. I don't know if you can find him. Look at the Viking in the row, right? See, you see a Viking? Yeah, he looks like he just got out of prison right here. Yeah? Yep, there he is, right? Okay? Yeah. So, 
His best friend calls him a prison-tatted Samoan. And I'm working out five to six days a week, lifting heavy weights, getting it on, getting strong. I said, I don't want to lose weight. I've done that before. I'm going to get strong. I'm going to get fired up. I'm working out. And it's like all kinds of professional athletes in here and UFC, jujitsu people. And I'm in there showing those wimps up every day. And my progress has been a lot slower than I would like it to be. And I've been working at this hard. Now, I've lost a lot of body fat. I've put on a lot of muscle. But it's been much slower. And throughout this process, I continued with being what? Disappointed. That leads you to the crossroads. That leads you to crossroads. Am I going to get disappointed and leave it to discouragement? Discouragement means screw this. Forget it. Eh, Whatever. It won't hurt me to miss a few workouts. Another piece of pizza is not going to kill me. Whatever. Are you with me? Or I turn the disappointment into fuel. Okay. And I walk into Michael and I say, Mike, I'm disappointed. I'm not seeing the results. What can I do better? And I'm using the disappointment to fuel me instead of drive me to discouragement, which then leads me to being depressed about it. Are you guys with me? Yes or no? I'm making lots of progress, and it's slow, and it's a grind, and it's whatever else. And now what's happened along the way here, let me give you a little gift. Now I'm not actually after any particular goal, believe it or not. I enjoy the workouts myself. I can't wait. I have off days, and I go, okay, do you have an extra one that I can get in? Because it's become part of my lifestyle and routine. And the fact that it's been slow and not quick and more challenging has actually been the greatest gift I could receive in this process Because now working out in a really excellent fashion with an excellent trainer is now part of my lifestyle that I look forward to every single day. Are you guys with me? So sometimes the disappointment is the gift you're given to develop. Okay? Now, I'm not going to get into all of that. I did a podcast so you can hear it all. Disappointment, discouragement, depressed, or disappointment gets refueled into your drive. If that makes sense, say aye. Next, a critical spirit is a symptom of a hidden purpose. The great philosopher from County Cork, Aristotle, said, there is only one way to avoid criticism. My favorite quote of the whole event. The only way to avoid criticism, do nothing, say nothing, be nothing. Do nothing, say nothing, be nothing. That's how you avoid criticism. We live in a culture today that is hypercritical, hyperjudgmental. A text, a tweet, a message comes up and people say, you're this, you're that, you need to get fired, you need to go, ah, boom. Our world today is like someone makes a mistake and it's like a ravenous pack of locusts and it's fired, dismissed, gone, on to the next one. Is that true? Because we judge like that. This is human condition. It's just on steroids today. The only way to avoid criticism, none of us like to be criticized, do what? Say and be. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Do that, and you will have a purposeless life. Lacking motivation. When we find ourselves lacking motivation, it's because we're not connected to our purpose. Motivation, by its definition, says this. It's the general desire of someone to take action in a particular way. All motivation should turn into action. Okay? Motivation for motivation's sake is silly, I know some of you might be coming here for the first time. I'm coming to hear a motivational speaker. You know, people ask my kids all the time, what's your dad do for a living? And they go, ah, well, the dancing and the... the, the." (laughs) But the one thing they won't say is my dad's a motivational speaker. Because I have no interest in just firing you people up for two and a half days. And then a year from now, you come back for two and a half days more to get fired up. You know, we want to teach, we want to inspire, we want to fire you up, we want to educate, we want to train, we want to teach, I want to challenge you so that you go do something with it and change your life and improve your life, help someone else, bring someone in the carpool lane on your road to success. Does that make sense? So those symptoms show up. My favorite song I play when I need a little juice, I go to Bono and the boys and I'll play the song Desire. Desire. Okay? Kids know, they go, whatever else. This is when the Maserati reaches speeds it shouldn't be driven at. Dad, 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 Brian, Brian, dad, dad. Okay. Just a little bit. Just let the big dog out a little bit. 
symptoms of no purpose, a feeling of emptiness. There's nothing that can fill it. There's no drink, there's no drug, there's no food that will fill that emptiness. The great British theologian Charles Adley Spurgeon said this, your emptiness is but preparation for you being filled. And your casting down is but the making ready for your lifting up. When you feel that emptiness, it's okay. If you feel disappointment, it's okay. Use it to fuel you and fire you. If you're not where you want to be, that's okay. If you don't know what your purpose is, that's okay. If you're 21 years of age, and oh my God, I don't know my purpose. Okay, hang loose. We're all still figuring it out. So there are symptoms of not having that defined, clear purpose. Have you ever experienced any of those symptoms, yes or no? So now let's get to the happy side. Let's talk about the signs of an on-purpose person. An on-purpose person, someone who's walking there, you know they've got a zip in their step, they're going somewhere. A man or woman on a mission. First, they're outwardly focused. This is the first thing. I'm a priority list maker. I don't just make lists. So when I say something first, it's first, of first importance. When a person is on purpose, they are outwardly focused on someone other than themselves. That's how you know it's an actual purpose. Our friend Brian Tracy says this, successful people are always looking for opportunities to help others. Unsuccessful people are always asking what's in it for me. And I meet business people like this all the time. I meet business people all the time and their first thing out of their mouth is they're proposing a business proposition to me and they tell me what's in it for me. And they don't know in the first five seconds they're dead. We are brought dozens and dozens and dozens of brilliant business ideas all the time. People want to partner, merge, or sponsor, do stuff with Buffini Company, put millions of dollars in our pocket. The first question is, how does it serve our clients? And what benefit is it to them? And how does it help them? Are you guys with me? Because our mission is to impact and improve the lives of people. And specifically in our case, the members that we get to serve. That's how you know someone's on purpose, is they're outwardly focused. Next, they're energetic. There's not a lot of ERs, like from Winnie the Pooh. Oh, no. Gotta go fulfill my purpose today. Great quote. Where focus goes, energy flows. So we're going to sharpen your purpose. We're going to awaken that thing that's already inside you, that you're already touching on, you're already doing, you're already in the heroic state. You just don't know it because it doesn't feel like it, but you haven't taken the time to clarify, do a bit of the work that it's required to make it sharp, bring it to the forefront of your mind and say, that's it, that's where we're going. We're going to put a man on the moon, bring him safely to earth by the end of the decade. Was America always capable of that, yes or no? It wasn't going to happen until that goal brought it into focus and then the energy flowed. Here's the next one. When you're an on-purpose person, you give little credence to criticism. My executive assistant, Jeanette Perez, she's backstage, brilliant, brilliant woman. Just, we are a great fit, and she's just magic at what she does. And the first thing she had to get used to was my mail and my correspondence, which in and of itself, Jeanette needs assistance from another person on staff just to get through. Okay? And she's going through this. And I get mail that's like, Thy breath is the fruit of the pomegranate. And when thou breathest on me, my life did change and my hair did grow. And then I get some other letters too. Normally from people who their last name is spelled I-N-I. I don't respond to either one any differently, just so you know, okay? When somebody's life's been totally transformed, me and Buffini Company, we know what part we played in that, but we ultimately know who's helped change that person's life, and so we don't try to take credit for that. And when they say, I'm the worst thing of all time, I go, oh, yeah, that's all right, too, okay? So you give little credence to criticism. And it's not that it's, everybody likes to hear nice things, but it's just, it's just kind of water off a duck's back type thing. Not like, I don't care. You follow me? It's kind of the opposite, because I don't even notice. Coot Blackston said this, a neat guy. He said, when you're not attached to praise or criticism, an interesting freedom is yours. So I mentioned Lou Tice last night from the Pacific Institute. Lou spoke at Mastermind. We struck up a friendship and a relationship, and then he brought me to his home. He invited me and 25 people to his home up in Seattle. Spectacular, most 
unusual day I ever spent in my life, probably. He was a mentor to Pete Carroll, the coach. And USC was about to be on the verge of doing something no one had ever done, which is win three national championships back to back to back. And they were going to do a little book project together and so on and so forth. And so Lou had mentored Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll had put some different thoughts together that he eventually took to Seattle and won a Super Bowl up there. And they invited all these amazing people that were Lou's friends. And I'm talking about, let me see, we had uh, First American Climb Mount Everest. We had First American Break Four Minute Mile. We had um, the head of the L.A. Police Department. There was Speaker Foley, who was the head of the Congress. And so it was all, all these other people, Warren Bennis and all these people. And, then, you know, and I, I got invited to the party, and I'm not sure why. Maybe, you know, whatever. You needed another speaking gig or something. But, um, you know, hey, I was there. And amazing people are taking turns being asked questions and so on and so forth. And I'm just taking pages of notes. I'm just here. I'm taking pages of notes. So I ask them. I get my turn. I go, okay, I want to know the three most impressive people you ever met in your life, and I want to know why they were impressive. Here's the guy that was the head of Congress for, I don't know, it was 20 years or something. You think he's met everybody. And he's a, here's, he's a Democrat over a Democrat Congress for years. And he goes, Mother Teresa, the Dalai Lama, and Ronald Reagan. <laughs> okay, why? He goes, I've thought about this many years. He goes, each one of those people, they didn't need a compliment, but could accept one fully. They didn't need a compliment, but could accept one fully. Now, as I sat there, and I was a very successful businessman at the time, I'd already started Buffini Company, and I was a guy at that time who desperately needed a compliment and couldn't receive one when I got it. I would blow it off. And I went, okay. That's a great thing to go work on. That's a great thing to go work on. And the answer was, as I started digging in and digging in more, was not, oh, you know, this is what's wrong with you, this is what you need to fix. You need to become much more focused on your purpose. And when you're much more focused on your purpose, on your journey, people are going to say great things about you. People are going to say some not great things about you. And when people give you a compliment, it's like, hey, that's very nice. And you're able to receive it for their sake, to bless them. Somebody's taken the time to write you a note or say something nice. You receive it because somebody's taken the time to do that. That's very nice of you to say, so thanks very much. So you can fully receive it without fully needing it. Are you guys with me, yes or no? When you're on the people-pleasing side of things, you become a slave in need of a compliment. And it's an affirmation or an appreciation that maybe you feel like you didn't get from a parent, loved one, spouse, whatever it is. You will never get that satiated. There will never be enough compliments. This is making sense. Next, when you're an on-purpose person, you're confident in the future. A news story doesn't shake you. And that better be the case because news stories are designed to shake you. The great Peter Drucker, the management guru, said this, the best way to predict the future is create it. That's an on-purpose person. doesn't mean you control the future, you control the world. But when you're an on-purpose person, man or woman with a plan, pursuing it, you're creating your own future. And then the fifth part, when you're an on-purpose person, you have a positive impact on others. Not just an impact on others. What's the word? The philosopher from Galway, Plato, said this, Happiness springs from doing good and helping others. Okay? 2,500 years ago. Happiness springs from doing good and helping others. I think there's some good to that. So now let's talk about the source of where your purpose can come from. Now that I've told you that you need it, now that I've told you it's kind of sucky if you don't have it, we better go find out where to go get one. Got to get me one of those? Where can I get the drive through purpose? Is there an app for that? The kids are thinking. Where's the app? Where's the on-purpose app? Oh, there's no one? I'll develop that and sell it for a billion dollars. That's my purpose. <laughs> okay, here it is. Number one, what you value and believe in. What you value and believe in. What you value and believe in. Mark Twain said it this way, the two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. Next, a huge source are hurts and wounds you've experienced. Hurts and wounds you've experienced. Those most difficult, trying, exacting, heartbreaking things you've gone through in your life. That is often the source code. Those things that brought you to your knees will ultimately many times be the thing that you are in your life to help someone else get off their knees. 
Rick Warren, pastor up the road, says, others will find healing in your wounds. Your most effective ministry comes out of your deepest hurts. We've seen that many, many times. I'm free to use this story. I don't use her name for a lot of reasons. Fifteen years ago, a person gets into our coaching program, referred by a friend. She was at her wit's end. She was a real estate agent living in Northern California, married to a physically violent, abusive man. And she finally breaks away from this situation, terrified, hurt, beat, the whole thing. And her friend says, you got to go see this Brian Buffini guy. She comes to the seminar just to feel better. She signs up for coaching. Now, we later found out that she signed up for coaching because she said it was cheaper than therapy. Our director and chief marketing officer, Terry King, is here with us today. Terry, I think that should be our new slogan. <laughs> Get a coach. Cheaper than therapy. So she got in, and her first year with her coach, they just worked hard. She didn't really reveal much doing calls, notes, and Popeyes, trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. Setting goals didn't happen for her. They're working through it. About a year into her coaching experience, maybe a year and a half, coach starts digging in. Okay. I, I see the talent in you. I see what you're doing, but I see how you're sabotaging yourself all the time. What's up? What's up? What's up? What can we get to? What do we get to? And again, this is on a case-by-case basis. This is kind of where it went with this lady. So she finally shares with her coach where she came from. What's going on? She goes, well, what do you want to do about it? She goes, what do you mean? She goes, what do you want to do about it? She goes, I want to kill him. She goes, okay, that's understandable. She goes, great. And you know, this is an Irish company. We can make all that stuff happen. But um, what do you want to do about it positively? If I could wave a magic wand, what would happen? She goes, I would love to help other women like myself. She goes, great. Well, she goes, why don't you set a goal that here's how much you need to make to take care of you and your kids. And then when you get a bit more money, you start giving money towards organizations and things that can help battered wives. And boom. Now, the reason her name came on my radar is we get all these things of how people are doing and what they're doing. Else, and this gal became like almost the perfect client, almost like, how many of you are in coaching? You're going to get a kick out of this. This gal actually did everything her coach asked her to do. (laughs) Hey, one out of 21,000. It's a start. I can work with that. So she was just on it. Because she started to get a real picture of what she could do. She went from just making a living. Three years into a coaching program, she made over a million dollars in commissions. This is 12 years ago. She has never made less than a million dollars in commissions. And she went from giving money to organizations, whatever else, to starting her own. And then she bought a house and remodeled it. And she could take in four women with their kids at any one time, provide services, that, 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 that. Every note that was written, every pop-by that was done, every call that she made, every escrow that she closed, she knew she was going to help a woman and her family. Today she has four of those homes. Okay? Now, you may have a vision that something bigger, and geez, that only saves, you know, she's 16 women and 16 kids, and that, that doesn't solve the whole problem. And sometimes people get stuck with their purpose that it doesn't fix it all. It doesn't fix it all. No, a lot of times it's not. And I love the old story of the old man who's getting along, and he's walking up Newport Beach, and a couple times a year, they have a thing where the starfish roll up on Newport Beach, and there's a quick tide, and all these starfish get stranded on the sand, and they're out in the sun baking, and they're all going to die. And there's millions of them. And this old guy's walking along, and he's picking them up one at a time and throwing them back in the water. And this young guy comes along, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm trying to save the starfish. He goes, there's millions of them. You can't save these. So I'm not trying to save them. I'm just trying to make a difference. He goes, how can you make a difference? And he picked up a starfish and threw it in the water, and he said, made a difference for him. Made a difference for him. Made a difference for him. I don't know why they were all males, but that's the way the story goes. Maybe the women are too smart to get washed up on the beach. All analogies break down somewhere. Note to speakers. Can you make a difference, yes or no? 
Could it be one person at a time? Could it be in your real estate transactions? Could it be that you get into homes that no one else gets into? That you sit at kitchen tables at a critical time in a person or couple's life or a family's life? Made a difference for them. You can be that one person. You could have a, a real solid year, but you can make one difference in one family's life that year in a big way. Made a difference for them. You're an on-purpose person. Other causes you'd like to support, okay? That's another source of your purpose. Causes you'd like to support, things that fire you up, okay? Don't have to fix it all, but what can you do? Next source of your purpose, your vocation. Your vocation, what you do for a living. You get into homes nobody else gets into. But whatever your vocation is, you can make a difference. Don't just do the job. Don't just do the job. Do your purpose while on the job. Whatever you're doing, you can make somebody's day. You can change their life. Impacted that one. Morris Greenberg said this, go out into the world, find work that you love, and work hard to make a difference. You know, just working hard and making money. That, that's, look, there's great. That's two good virtues. But when you add on purpose, now you make a difference. Now you're working hard. Now you're making a living. And now you're making a difference. Make sense? Number five, another source is your most intense abilities and attributes. Your most intense abilities and attributes. We have the heritage profile where we do this for you. Your most intense abilities and attributes. Okay? My most intense abilities and attributes show up all the time in my work. Norman Vincent Peale said this, Believe in yourself. Have faith in your abilities. Without a humble but reasonable confidence in your own powers, you cannot be successful or happy. Everyone in this room has been born and blessed with gifts. I have presented to 3 million people in 37 countries live, and now countless millions through a podcast. But when I meet people live, and I do meet and greets that go on for hours and hours and hours, I've yet to meet a person when I have any kind of conversation with them who I can't see their giftedness in them. Now, it doesn't always mean the person I'm talking to can see their own giftedness. And that's why sometimes we need a little help. That's sometimes why we need a little coach. That's sometimes why we need a little outside perspective to help us see what's there so we can come to an honest appraisal of what we have. Now, when we do this and we become an on-purpose person, the thing you're looking for, the side effect, right? So the side effect of me having a lifestyle of working out and eating good and really being engaged physically, the side effect is looking good and feeling good and being healthy. That's the side effect. Does that make sense? So when you're an on-purpose person, the side effect we all want comes as a result. And that's why people are always chasing this and they never get it. And that's passion. Passion. Your passion will arise. Joe did a piece a few years ago on passion. And passion comes from the word paseo, which means to suffer. It's like your passion is what are you willing to struggle for? What are you willing to suffer for? What are you willing to go through some difficulties for? What are you willing to go through some challenges for? You follow? And so that's why the passion comes. When your eyes are on the purpose, the passion comes. Motivation comes. The desire comes. Focus comes. The energy comes. That person is inside of us. And there's many times we've played it small. There's many times we did it to avoid the criticism or the embarrassment or what might people think or I'm afraid of making a mistake. But that's all inside. And I'm constantly, you know, I have a lot of younger folks who've joined the company and I'm constantly, come on, come on, come on. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you think. Give me an idea. Yeah, they're ter- Tell me what you think. Tell me what you think. Well, I, more. You got more in there. You got more in. I, are you going to play small or are you going to go for it? Come on, come on. If we're going to go impact, are you into that? Are you impacted improving people's lives? I need what you got. The reason you're here, I, I don't just need someone to do a job. I need more than what you, I need what you got. And that's when all of a sudden a person's purpose becomes, in, in case of Buffini coming, you go visit that place sometime, you'll see a lot of people on purpose. You'll see people who are very talented and skilled at very technical and skilled job at Buffini Company doing the most menial thing here at Buffini Company with a smile that looked like they eat a banana sideways. Because they know all of these stories and all of these things that have changed people's lives that they played a part in it. They played a part in it. They played a part in it. They own a piece of that. They own a piece of that. Does that make sense? So what happens when you take your passion step? It looks like this. You have to take a leap of faith. Here's how your passion will arise. 
you take a leap of faith. The great Eleanor Roosevelt says, do one thing that scares you every day. Okay? Number two, your transparency will be attractive. Just being yourself is good enough to be great. Your transparency is what's your most attractive quality. John Lennon said this way, being honest may not get you a lot of friends. It'll always get you the right ones. The third thing that will happen is your energy will be contagious. Contagious, a positive effect on other people. Other people want to be around it. They want the juice. They want what you have. And you can do it in your way. You can be a very quiet, introspective person and give off phenomenal energy. Okay, energy is not being loud. or It's an energy. It's what you bring. A great quote says, your energy is contagious. Either you affect people or you infect people. When you're an on-purpose person, you don't pick up a lot of infections. Does that make sense? People are always amazed. Like, I am hugging and hugged by people 20,000 times a year, it must be. And I never get sick. And it's, I'm on purpose. I'm on purpose when I'm doing that stuff. It's almost like a, a superhero cloak you can put on. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're a nurse, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're a hostess at a restaurant. It doesn't matter what you're doing. An on-purpose person. Powerful. The next thing that will happen is others will join you on the journey. Others will join you on the journey. We're watching this right now. Okay? I brag on my kids because I can. You start your own seminar. (laughs) But here's the thing is, I'm going to get to this in our next section about the blessing of service. I've never come and ever tried to do an event so it would bless me, but I don't know that anyone who's ever been blessed more than what I get to do in serving of you. I just think, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Who can I bring? What can we do? What crazy thing can we get up to that impact, 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 and it changes my life? Well, the reason why so many people bring their kids to this event, we have never said bring your kid to Mastermind, is I always wanted my kids sitting in the front row from the day they were born. I mean, I think four is kind of the starting point for a Buffini kid to go to Mastermind. And seven is the time they have to start performing and earning their way. (laughs) But my Amy and Alicia and Alex and Adam joined a little private school a couple of years ago. And this school uh, was a neat place with some neat people. When it came to athletics, they were very good academically. (laughs) (laughs) And they hadn't won Jack Cheese in years. Uh, years and years and years. And boys came in, did their thing, very hard to turn around a basketball program, and they went on and won their league championship a couple years in a row, went deep in the the whole playoffs. The girls came in, and the girls obviously get their volleyball skill from (laughs) you-know-who. And so... (laughs) Wow. All right. And so Alicia's a setter, Amy's a hitter, and they win not only their league, they win the CIF San Diego Championship as freshmen. And then the next year, they win the CIF championship, and they got on to win the state championship as sophomores. Amy became All-American. Alicia became All-State in volleyball. Okay? So what happens? So what happens? And again, there's actually a point to this story, other than bragging on my kids. This year, we got these big six-foot-tall girls showing up at the school that are volleyball players, that are really good kids that heard, hey, there's this really cool school where the kids are really nice to one another and really welcome another, and they're kicking butt in the sports world, and now what's happening is enrollment, the enroll- I'm not saying my kids are the only reason the enrollment's up, but my kids are the only reason the enrollment's up. <laughs> the athletic director, where's Steve Whitley? Steve Whitley's here. Where are you, Steve? Where are you? Steve Whitley. There's the athletic director for the school, and Steve comes by every time he sees me. He goes, Brian, is your family happy here? All these kids are joining. All these kids are joining. All these kids are joining because it's a great environment, good kids, and they're on purpose and they're kicking butt and taking names. Are you guys with me? On your journey, when you're an on-purpose person, you won't have to find people. You'll just have to sort through people. Does this make sense? Buffini Company gets over 5,000 applicants a year in some form for just a few jobs. We just have to sift through. And even with that, we have a full-time recruiter on staff to find talent, to find talent. Helen Keller says, alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. When you're an on-purpose person, you're going to get some help because people are going to be attracted. And then the last piece of this is that when you're an on-purpose person, you get to live your dreams. You get to live your dreams. 
So you get to live your dreams when you're a non-purpose person. My mission, impact and improve the lives of people. My life's been impacted. And in so many ways. And now all of a sudden, all these opportunities come up beyond what I ever dreamed of. And I'm going to share one example of this. Now, when I was a kid, my mother, who is a brilliant woman to say the least, she wanted to get me interested in reading. So she would read a book and say, you might like this. And it was by an author by the name of Wilbur Smith. Okay? And these were great adventures, all set in South Africa. And she knew I liked history a bit. And so they were all in South Africa in the 1800s and then up through the Boer War and then beyond and so on and so forth. And it was, there was war and there was fighting and there was heroic characters and just enough uh, uncensored material to get a young teenage boy excited. And so I got into Wilbur Smith and I read everything there was. And I used to, I mean, literally be able to go to bed at night and envision the Transvaal and the mountains and this and that and the other. I got interested in all things African. I mean, I'd learned the songs, I'd learned the culture, all these things. I was just fascinated by it. Well, as I'm serving and serving and serving people, one of the people, one of the groups that become just totally fascinated with the Buffini Company's training systems is down in South Africa. We're the official training company in real estate in South Africa. And we have just some of the biggest clients down there where basically they have companies with two and 3,000 people. You join their company. You cannot be here if you don't do the Buffini. That's what we do. We do it right away. And if you don't pass the test... You don't do the 100 days to greatness, you can't be great. So you got to go. <laughs> and so for seven years, they're like, you got to come, you got to come. It would mean so much. We put more people through than anyone else. You got to come, you got to come. And I get all these demands for speaking, and I got kids and this and that and whatever else. But I said, okay. So I said, I'm going to do it. And Bev was like, you got to do it, okay? Because when I'm home for more than three days, Beverly says, don't you have somewhere to speak? And, um, <laughs> So I go down to South Africa, I do an event down there for this one company, and we do three days of it, and it was just sensational. They were just so appreciative, and we had a spectacular time. And then I went down with my brother Dermot, and uh, my right-hand man for all content for the past 16 years, Mr. David Lally. So these guys were so thankful, and just, it was the audience, they would just stay, I mean, when we would finish at five o'clock, they were so depressed, they wouldn't leave their seats. We'd start at nine and go to five, and they're like, can't we do more? You know, and they were just so, they were just soaking it up. So afterwards, they said, "We know you're a big fan of Wilbur Smith." They gave me an autograph, like framed copy of his book, and all this stuff. And they also said, "We've arranged for you to go on safari to the place that Wilbur Smith got most of his inspiration for his books." So we went to what's called the Shakudu Lodge, this beautiful place. This place was fantastic, and there was these lodges, these beautiful lodges that were set up in this mountaintop, just gorgeous. And we'd have this communal eating area that was spectacular, healthy food, kind of, and it looked over this area, and there was a watering hole, and the animals would come late at night, and it was just unbelievable. And it's thousands, hundreds of thousands of acres, this place. And so then we go on safari for four days, and you get in these safari trucks, okay? Now, here I am from the south side of Dublin. I never drove when I lived in Ireland. I never owned a car. You know, I walked everywhere. And now here I am going on safari, you know, living a dream, reading Wilbur Smith books in a place that he used to look at to inspire him. You follow me? Now, I will say, sometimes the dreams don't come without price. I'm sitting in this thing, and Dermot and I are sitting there, and we're like, this is open, isn't it? And the walls are made of canvas. And so we decided at that time we were both faster than David Lally. So we were good. Right? So the goal when you go on safari is to see the big five. The big five. Or is the big five. Big five. Big five. I thought it was a sporting goods store. No, big five. Big five. And so the big five are a lion, a buffalo, the elephant, the cheetah, and the rhino. Now... A lot of times people are on safari for days and days and days. In the big open area, I mean, this isn't the wild animal park or the zoo here, and the zoo's great here. You have to go for a long time. To see them in their natural habitat, you have to work. You really try to get after it. The first four hours on the first day, we see four of the big five. And in fantastic situations. And we have this guide. Her name is Sean. This is a woman who works 50 weeks a year on safari and then takes two weeks off for her vacation to go on safari. And you're up close and personal. I mean, this is not a traffic crossing or a traffic light here, okay? And it's just all the time. And, and you'll see how up close and personal. Now, David Lally was deemed by the Buffini brothers to be the designated photographer. 
And now, it was the first uh, workman's comp case we ever got of its kind, because David Lally came home from Africa, and from his elbow to his shoulders, on both sides, he was black and blue, black and blue, deep bruising, because he has the camera, and I'm on the left, and Darren on the right, and I'm like, see that, see that, take a picture, take a picture, take a picture, take a picture, and Darren like, take the picture, take the picture, don't miss, you easy, take the picture. We got our guide, this gal, Sean, and she is into it. She knows everything about these animals, everything you could possibly know. Every time we came across a certain type of dung, she would stop, jump out, oh my God, let's see. And she'd break it apart. Oh, they've been eating in the northern region. You see this beetle, Brian, you see this right here? Oh, that's freaking awesome right there. That's great. Looking forward to snacks and appetizers later on right here. Did my trainer in San Diego send you here or what? So we're, this is another thing that happened. True as I'm standing here. At one stage, we actually are we're kind of leaving the park and we're going on this road to get out. And a bull elephant in heat charges us 30 miles an hour. He's coming full steam. All you can see is these tusks and he is pissed at the world. And, and this gal, gets, she's in the truck, open truck, Okay? And it's like, it doesn't matter if we can outrun Lally now. So she backs up about 30 feet. Yeah. He's coming. And then she stands up, and as true God, she stands up like this and she goes, shh, 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 Now, two things happen simultaneously. And stopped. He stopped. It's a wild freaking elephant. He stopped. And in the back of the truck, there was a whole new type of dung that was found on the trip. <laughs> From a very rare Irish bird. So we keep going, and now everywhere we go, everywhere we go, we see the big four first four hours. There they are. There's big four. There's big four. Where's the fifth? No, no. There's four. There's four. Now we're seeing it, and it's like National Geographic. We don't just see a leopard. We see a leopard kill a kudu, take him up a tree 10 feet in front of us. Now, I know animal lovers, don't be nervous. There's millions of these things. They call them the Big Mac of the Plains, okay? And we're just sitting there 10 feet away, National Geographic. At one stage... We are actually pursuing a pride of lions that are actually in a kill situation. They're formed out like a military precision, and we're about 20 yards behind them while they're chasing after these things. And I kept saying, why don't they turn around? Why don't they turn around? We're in an open vehicle. I mean, we're right behind these bleeding lions. I mean, come, the other white meat is right here. What are we doing here? It was unbelievable. So for three days, the big four, we saw them doing everything but gymnastics. But we did not see the rhino. Could not find the rhino. And she was on a mission. She loved the Irish guys. She thought we were the greatest thing. Telling our jokes, buying our lunch, doing whatever. We got to find the rhino. We got to find the rhino. So she's night and day. She's on the phone. She's on the walkie-talkies. Other park rangers. Who would have? Have you seen any rhinos? Where's the rhinos? Where's the rhinos? Where's the rhinos? Well, it's mating season. They're not found. The rhinos, the rhinos, the rhinos. We get a phone call, 3.45 in the morning. Get up, get up, get up now. We found the rhinos. We find the rhinos. So we get up. Hey. And before we really realized what was going on, we're in this open truck with canvas, and we're in the bleeding jungle at night. Everything's alive at night, and we are like, what? You know, this rhino's in San Diego. So all of a sudden, she goes, it's on the radio, it's on the radio. Hey, it's just around the corner, around the corner. There's a pair of them, not just one, there's two. It's a pair. She goes, okay, now listen to me. Whatever you do, the rhinos are very light sensitive. You cannot use flash photography. I will do the infrared light. And the infrared light is perfect for them. And it will absolutely, with that question, you will get the beautiful photograph. But whatever you do, don't use the flash photography. Pretty simple. We come around a corner. Red light goes on. And we see this. Little flash. Dermot and I start together. Larry, take the picture, take the picture, take the picture, take the picture. He's going, boom, 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 boom. Drops the camera. Yeah, easy, yeah, easy. Get the picture. 
I do it myself. So I take out my phone. And anybody who knows my technological skills, they're right up there with my dancing dexterity. I line them up. Bang! Flash! Bang! Flash! Ah! Oh, bang! Now the thing's going automatic. Bang! 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 The rhinos are like, ah! 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 She turns. Sean looks. And she has this expression, I'll never forget. It was a wound I'll never forget. She looks. And it was a mixture of betrayal, anger, and you are the dumbest human being. Now that story had really nothing to do with anything, but I wanted to tell it, so. We want to eliminate those symptoms from our life and not being on purpose. Would you guys agree? We want to be an on-purpose person. When we're an on-purpose person, our passion will arise and it affects everyone and now you're making a difference. And then the next thing, listen, the byproduct is you get to pursue your dreams. Your dreams are the byproduct. They're not the purpose. You get to do all these fantastic things while you're doing your purpose. Wow, I hope you feel challenged and encouraged by this amazing content. If you'd like to join us in San Diego for our next Mastermind Summit, visit buffiniandcompany.com to get your ticket to this powerful event. As I leave you today, please enjoy this Irish blessing from Brian's mum, Therese. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.